Well, have you guys had music going on in the car this summer when you've been travelling somewhere? You've been saving up that sweet CD or playlist and now's the time to hear it ten times over. Or maybe your kids had something that they wanted to hear ten, twenty times over. Well, I've been listening to music quite a lot. Um, it's a summer kind of thing, isn't it? I've listened to Matinee Idol quite a bit. Um, it's an afternoon schedule on Radio New Zealand and it's just on in the holiday time. I really enjoy the playlist and the banter between the announcers. They have a huge variety of, so of styles of music and ages and interesting themes. And this year, if anyone's been listening, has been Cities of the World. They figured that because we couldn't travel, they would bring the world to us. So one day it's New York, another day it's Melbourne, um, and it was, it was fun. But of course, the biggest thing about our summer has been our daughter's wedding. And so I'll give you a sneak peek of a picture of their first, of their dance. Adam, um, our new son-in-law, sweated blood over the playlist. Um, and this is a picture of them um, on having the first dance. Many of you know Nicola. Um, and she is Aaron, uh, who's sitting over there. He does, he's the guy that does the frequency age group. It's her, his his sister, oldest sister, yes. Okay, so one of the dance songs was really popular at the wedding was that Johnny Farnham one, um, You're the Voice, you know the one? It goes, um, you're the voice, try and understand it, make a noise and make it clear, whoa. And you can, you can really get off on the whoa, 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 and we did. We had such fun singing um, together and, and um, really enjoying just a really happy, happy time. Um, and it was a way that we could express ourselves all together and unite. But can you imagine being in that, that situation and not knowing the words or not knowing that you know, you're supposed to dance or that you can sing to things. Um, or what about if you're really sad and you're in this festive occasion and, and you just don't feel it and everyone's gone off around you? Um, well, I'd like to suggest that God's life in us gives us a background narrative, a theme song, a movie soundtrack to live by that involves many songs for different occasions times and circumstances. If we are to progress in our Christian walk, we need to know the tunes and lyrics so that we can join in. We need to know numbers of songs for different seasons, songs to express where we're at and where we're going. If I told you that there is a Spotify playlist that will eclipse any, any summer road trip music you could ever put together and last much longer than a summer, that it would even change how you think about God. Mm, so listen up. Um, I'd like to read Psalm 120. I'm in trouble. I cry to God desperate for an answer. Deliver me from the liars, God. They smile so sweetly but lie through their teeth. Do you know what's next? Can you see what's coming? All you bare-faced liars, pointed arrows and burning coals will be your reward. I'm doomed to live in Makesh, cursed with a home in Kudor. My whole life lived camping amongst quarrelling neighbours. 
I'm all for peace, but the minute I tell them so, they go to war. That's from the Message Bible. That's why it sounds a little bit different. Psalm 120 is the first psalm of ascent. The songs of of ascent are the Psalms 120 to 134, just 15 psalms out of the whole 150 in the Bible. They were sung by the Hebrew pilgrims as they went up to Jerusalem for the great worship festivals. Topographically, Jerusalem was the highest city in Palestine, and all who traveled there spent much of their time ascending. The ascent was not only literal, it was also a metaphor. The trip to Jerusalem acted out alive, lived upwards towards God. An existence that advanced from one level to another in maturity in the faith. Three times a year, the faithful Hebrews made the trip. They refreshed their memories of God's saving ways in the feast of Passover in the spring. They renewed their community commitments as God's covenanted people at the feast of Pentecost in the summer. They responded as a blessed community to the best that God had for them in the Feast of Tabernacles in the autumn. These foundational realities were preached and taught and praised at the annual festivals. Each feast, the people lived these realities in daily discipleship, and the time came to go up the mountain again as pilgrims to renew their covenant This picture of the Hebrews singing these 15 psalms as they left their routines of discipleship and made their way from towns and villages, farms and cities as pilgrims up to Jerusalem has become embedded in the Christian devotional imagination. It is our best background to understand life as a faith journey. We too are pilgrims, people on a sacred journey. In the summer of 2019, I read a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's by Eugene Peterson. He's the guy that wrote the Message Bible, along with a lot of other books, and I haven't read one that I haven't loved. He's one of my heroes, a humble, genuine pastor with lots of fatherly wisdom and a vast knowledge of the context of the stories of the Bible. Reading this book led me on a year-long journey through the Psalms. From that soaking in a psalm each morning, I gained a bigger vocabulary to talk to God, ways to think and words to think about God, a connection with the soul cry of the writers of the Psalms, and an expanded and deepened sweetness of the closeness of God. I'd like to recommend that you could take a similar journey. Jesus modelled the faith journey. As he grew up, he would have gone to Jerusalem with his parents, singing the Psalms of Ascent as he went. He would have celebrated with his fellow Hebrews. He would have felt that sense of connection with history, the patriarchs, and God his Father. He was well and truly on a pilgrimage journey, and he knew where he was going. Listen to what Jesus says about the journey as he was teaching his disciples. Again, reading from the Message Translation. 
In chapter 14 of John's Gospel, Jesus is talking to Thomas and tells him that he's going away and not to worry because he's going to prepare a place with plenty of room for him and all who believe and that he's going to come back and get him so that he can live with him. He was speaking of his death and resurrection. Then later on it says, Philip then exclaims, Master, we've no idea where you're going. How can you expect us to know the way? Jesus then says, I am the way, also the truth and also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You've seen him. Philip then said, Master, show us the Father, then we'll be content. Jesus replies, you've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand. To see me is to see the Father. And again in the message translation in Hebrews 12, it says the same thing. Do you see what this means? All those pioneers who blazed the way, all those veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. We've got our sights set. We are pilgrims on a journey through this world looking for the next. Let's pull apart Psalm 120, the first song of ascent, and see what it tells us. Verse 1. I'm in trouble. I cry to God, desperate for an answer. Deliver me from the liars, God. They smile so sweetly, but lie through their teeth. Some of our most honest and sincere prayers are just like this verse. I've come a gutser again, Lord, help. Dissatisfaction with our life is often the way we enter the search for the Christian life. I know for myself that independence has both been my strength and my weakness. I grew up in a family where my siblings wanted very different things from me. I was a Christian in a non-Christian family, and yes, I did want to go to God's squad again as they taunted me. So I grew a thick skin and boxed on and tried to fit into my family as best I could. But the Christian life is not about independence. It's about relying on my heavenly Father who always cares, always listens, and is actively working for me. My breakthrough into things of the Holy Spirit was through realizing and confessing that I needed God to help me if I was to have any chance of walking in the right direction. 
independence was not going to work with God. He wanted me to share everything with him. He was my heavenly father and cared very deeply about my life. There are all sorts of lies we are told from childhood. Like, people are basically good and nice. Everyone's born equal and innocent. Self-sufficient and free. If you're having any difficulties, it's someone else's fault. That's a really good lie. And we can correct it with a little more intelligence, effort, or time. How can we keep on believing this after so long? Convinced by the lie that what we are experiencing is an exception, we invent ways to escape. A holiday, a glass of wine, a smoke of something, or something else on a screen. Our Christian journey begins with realizing that what we assumed was the truth is a lie. Deliver me from the liars, God. Well, who are the liars? Advertisers trying to sell me things I don't need. Entertainers giving me cheap joy. Politicians, now that's really topical, who pretend to instruct with morality. Psychologists who offer to shape my behavior without ever mentioning God. The first step away from liars is towards God. The truth about me is that God made me and loves me. The truth about those sitting beside me is that God made them too, and they are my neighbor. The truth about the world is that God rules it and provides for it. The truth about what is wrong with the world is that I and my neighbor have sinned, and we refuse to let God be for us, over us, and in us. The truth about what is at the center of our history is that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross for our sins and was resurrected from the dead for our restoration and for relationship, and that for participation in a new life, we need to accept his mercy, respond to his love, and attend to his commands. The Psalms will wake us up from dreamy nostalgia to a rugged pilgrimage of discipleship of faith. Verse 1 to 4 starts with the desperate cry, I'm in trouble. I cry to God, desperate for an answer. Deliver me from the liars, God. They smile so sweetly but lie through their teeth. Do you know what's next? Can you see what's coming? All you bare-faced liars, pointed arrows and burning coals will be your reward. In the opening verses here, the psalmist is talking about how it feels in his life. He's confused. He's unsettled. He feels that those around him are a pack of liars and he can't trust anyone. He's uncertain about the future and feels a sense of doom and menace. This is him expressing himself to God. Are you honest with God when you pray? For several days towards the end of last year, I'd be driving to work saying to God, I'm tired, I've got a week and a half to go, and asking him to encourage me. And you know, every night I drive home, still tired, but thanking him for the ways he encouraged me. I was joyful and at peace because my heavenly father cares about me and my work, and he actively was encouraging me. The peace reduced my focus on my physical tiredness. Maybe you need to talk to God about your boredom, your worry, your health, and simply tell them like it is. 
Verse 5 to 7, I'm doomed to live in Mekesh, cursed, in a ho- uh, cursed with a home in Kudor. My whole life lived among quarreling neighbors. I'm all for peace, but the minute I tell them so, they go to war. Well, K- Mekesh and Kad- Kodor are names, place names. Mekesh, a far-off tribe thousands of miles from Palestine in southern Russia. And Kudor, a wandering Bedouin tribe of barbaric reputation along Israel's border. They represent the strange and the hostile. Translated, I live with hoodlums and wild savages. This world is not my home, I want out. (laughs) Have you felt like this? Someone in the lunchroom is talking about a dust-up they had, taking something back that they'd bought to it at a shop. They're telling the person how useless the shop is and aggressively stating what needs to happen. When the person backs down, they're proud they got what they wanted and they put that person in their place. When we have the Spirit of God living inside us, we recognize that God is our vindicator. We can simply tell the customer service person the facts and have a resolution. We don't need to put others down or become aggressive in the process. When you realize that you're on a journey upwards to God, then in this circumstance, you can have compassion on the guy in the lunchroom who's complaining. You know he just needs to start the journey. This psalm journey has deeply embedded me, embedded in me the, embedded in me the truth that we are all on a journey Some of us get stuck. Some of us take deviations. Some of us haven't even started. But God is faithful to his desire to see us all on the journey with him. He is so faithful if we would only talk to him, rely on him, and expect good things from him. The biblical word we use for describing the way we say no to the world and yes to God's truth is repentance. It is the first word in the Christian life. Jesus' first sermon, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance is not an emotion. It is a decision. It is saying, I was wrong supposing I could manage my own life. Think I could be my own God. Repentance is a realization that I cannot get a different life while doing the same old things. Repentance is painful. But the reality is there is a better way, a different day when we turn to God. Do you need to talk back to God about the stuff that you need to stop doing? Do you have an attitude that needs to go? Do you have a grudge that comes back time and time again? He's really happy to help you with your thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes. We work and play, suffer and sin, just as everyone has done down through history, but we're going somewhere. We are going to God. The truth of God explains our life. The grace of God fulfills our lives. The forgiveness of God renews our lives. And the love of God blesses our lives. I'll finish where I started by recommending a journey through the Psalms this year. Not just the songs of ascent, 
but the whole 150. Not all of the Psalms are as gritty as Psalm 120. Some are joyful and exuberant, and you need to look at them all. For example, Psalm 129. Stand in awe of God's yes. Oh, how he blesses the one who fears God. Or Psalm 131. Like a baby content in its mother's arms, my soul is a baby content. And Psalm 133. How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly, costly anointing oil flowing down beard and head, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar and over his priestly robes. The Psalms encapsulate everything about the faith journey. They are a playlist for your life. What is going to be your playlist for 2021? Will you join in the pilgrimage upwards towards God? Let's pray. Lord, we pray for anyone who needs to start the faith journey today. Maybe that may they be sufficiently convinced that the way they've been living, Lord, the, the disturbing thoughts, the quarreling, the lack of peace will draw them, Lord, up towards you. We'll start them on the journey. We pray for everyone like that today. And Lord, we pray for our own journey, that you would talk to us, that we'd become more honest with you, and that, Lord, you would keep us on the journey, on the pilgrimage journey this whole year. Thank you, Lord. Amen.